Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is April the 12th, 2019. Strong hands, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin, unconfiscatable, deferral gratification. Don't FOMO on altcoins. That is, I mean, after what's been going on for the last 48 hours or 24 hours, I don't know how anyone can FOMO on altcoins when one of these altcoins, woo! All right, so we're going to talk about the situation that's going on, the, the drama in the space that I usually don't like to pay attention to such things, but it's it's a lesson in centralization, okay? We got Juan God here, we got Bitcoin Tina here, and we got uh, BTC Benny of Bitcoin Sessions. It's going to be a rocking fun time. So uh, those of you who might not be on Twitter right now, maybe you haven't heard that the uh, fake, fake Toshi guy behind SV – there's an, there's an altcoin called BSV. Perhaps you've heard of it. It was a fork of Bcash. And the guy that founded it thinks he's, uh, well, he pretends to be Satoshi. Yeah, he, he's called Fake Toshi. And he's he's been uh, sending threatening, suing type of letters to people in the United Kingdom because it's easier to sue people in the United Kingdom or it's harder to get such ridiculous, frivolous lawsuits dismissed in the United Kingdom than, let's say, in the United States or Australia or Canada. And anyone, anyway, he picked on a dude named uh, Hoddlenot. And uh, everyone's gotten behind Hoddlenot. And the, the the latest is it from Binance. The guy behind Binance says that if this nonsense doesn't stop, he's going to kick SV off of Binance, which is, I mean, this is the way of the free market. You, you can only get away with so much. If you're going to act like a ridiculous cretin and prove the weaknesses of centralization and shout out all sorts, sorts of nonsense things and do marketing campaigns based around, uh, and that's all it is. It's a marketing campaign of himself based around frivolous lawsuits. This is the backlash you're going to get. So now there is a hashtag out there called DList BSV. Juan God, what, what are your thoughts on all this, uh, this lesson in centralization gone mad? Well, I'm really happy that the Bitcoin community has sort of erupted in this hot or not meme. And, uh, I think uh, I think we might see a lot of pressure put on exchanges. Um, so, you know, we can talk a little bit about the backstory of Fake Toshi and why he's Fake Toshi and all the stuff that that's happened. And if you're if you're new to crypto and you don't know you don't know the story, you don't know the story behind Craig Wright. You can actually just go to Bitcoin.it uh, and then just Google Bitcoin IT Craig Wright. There's a full page on on one of the most popular, sort of most trusted uh, Bitcoin wiki. Uh, websites and it's got all the data. It's got sources to official, you know, pu like public, uh, you know, m media. I mean, WikiLeaks has talked about how Craig Wright is a is a forger and a, and a fake. So this is this is a long story that's been going around for like probably two to three years now. And it, this guy's a, a patent troll. He's he's trying to position himself as Satoshi despite failing multiple times to pr cryptographically prove that he's Satoshi. And now he's suing people that are pointing out that he is a fake, that he's a fraud. And uh, this is going to be great because if this gets to court, then we're going to end up seeing fake Satoshi having to prove that he's fake, that he's Satoshi and failing to do it in court in a very high stakes popcorn worthy um, event. So 
I think I'm excited. I'm, I'm really happy to see Twitter, uh, crypto Twitter and the community in general kind of, you know, they're all putting on the huddle, the huddle, uh, not meme and they're putting pressure on exchanges. Right. And, and if, and if DSV gets listed, I mean, there's no community behind BSV. Uh, this thing is pretty much dead in the water if the major exchanges drop it. And why shouldn't they drop it? You know, everybody knows it's a scam. The only reason this thing has so much value is because most people have not claimed their BSV and dumped them probably. Uh, so I really, uh, you know, I think the coin market cap metric is quite questionable. And um, either way, this thing is centralized and it's 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 not good for the ecosystem. These guys are bad actors. So uh, it's going to be fun. You know, he, he's supposed to be so smart. How did he not anticipate such a blowback as this? That perhaps his pride and joy, BSV, would be, uh, this would happen. That there'd be threats to delist de it. I, I, <laughs> um, I, I don't, again, it, it leads me to believe that this is all just a big ego trip. And that is why I was hesitant to even talk about it much today. But the, re the again, the main reason I'm talking about this is because it's, uh, the it shows the, the strength of the Bitcoin community that there's not... This is not a FUD type of event. It actually strengthens what Bitcoin is all, all about, that Bitcoin does not have a dictator. It does not have a leader. It does not have that centralized point of weakness and that exchanges would never, a logical exchange, a big exchange, would never kick off the real Bitcoin from their exchange. How about that for, for all the people that say, or the few people that say that BSV is the real Bitcoin? Why? Why would an exchange in its right mind kick off kick off the 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 real Bitcoin? Uh, BTC Benny, what what are your thoughts on this? I I think the whole thing is hilarious. First of all, um, I just it's it's interesting because when you go back and I, I I think in the end this will be a good thing when you go back and you look at every threat that has come up against Bitcoin, there has been a very pointed response and and nobody has been able to successfully subvert it to date and i think the the best example of this would be uh 2x segwit 2x so you know you had basically every major company in the space try and and fork bitcoin away and say that it was something else and they were met with the wrath of the community and and the community was able to make every large player in the space every major corporation back down and say hey we were wrong uh this is one this is not what people want so just i mean the the response to threats when it comes to bitcoin itself it's it builds up its uh its immunity to things like these and so i'm kind of glad that this is happening because it only needs to happen once before we get shown exactly how bitcoin will respond to it and i you know now the the tough part here is is the laws because it can it can vary from uh, jurisdiction to jurisdiction and i know that in some instances, these defamation laws are not great when it comes to the defendant. Um, and the reason behind that is a lot of these laws were created in the 1600s to protect monarchs from people that were trying to speak out against them. And so they wanted to make it as difficult as possible so that if the monarch uh, took somebody to court or said, hey, you you said something incorrect. Well, it would be the burden of proof on the individual that said it to prove that what they said was true, as opposed to the monarch having to prove what they said was false. And so a lot of these laws have not been changed to kind of suit the current 
political landscape that we're in today. And so I think he's probably trying to capitalize on that. But as I was doing some reading today, the big drawback with that is when a defendant has the capital, as I think will be in the, the case in a lot of these cases, because Bitcoin will just crowdfund the hell out of it, is they... And if they're going to have to go through the trouble of proving what they said was true, they're not just going to go after that one point. They're going to take a, a tactic called scorched earth where they dig up every bit of dirt on that individual and it becomes just massively public what a fraud they are. And so I look forward to that happening. Will, will it get to that stage? Will he be totally exposed? Oh, he probably is relishing in the, in the drama of it all. Uh, what is the end game of this madman? I, I don't even want to wonder. Anyway, hey, it guys in the super chat, Jim sent $2. He said, it's all about your peers. And Crypto Shrugged Author, you should check out his book. He sent a dollar. All right, uh, Bitcoin Tina, what are, what are your thoughts on this situation? Your comments on what Juan and Ben and I've been saying? I, I like what uh, what Benny had to say. <clears throat> I think that was very interesting that uh, with a crowdfunded defense could be very interesting. The only thing I wonder, I know somebody who was very smart once said to me, never underestimate your enemy. And he's being, CSW is being supported by somebody who's very rich. Maybe they have plans to buy off the judge. I mean, Things like this have happened before in life. Um, he, they're a very odd. They're a very odd pair. These two, and and they themselves have a pretty big fund to work with in uh, in BSV. What's the market cap of that? They, they can, plus Cal's uh, billions, whatever he's got. So I don't know that you can take it lightly. I think that they've thought about this, uh, they've planned it, and um, I just wouldn't take it lightly. He's, they're, they're, they're not good guys. Well, you, you bring up a, a good point about Calvin's billions. Those are real. He actually <laughs> is a billionaire. The value of SV, though, uh, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't put too much stock in that. But no, he is <clears> – <throat> it cannot be denied that uh, – that, that why – it's it's a beautiful question. Why Calvin is even in bed with this dude? Well, here, here, here this is pretty easy. So if they go to court and this goes better for them than we'd like it to, you know, if the value of BSV triples or quadruples on it, that's a pretty big opportunity to make a lot of money. So the world doesn't really care right now, but a stupid court decision with a judge that's bought off could mean billions. Mm. You know, that, 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 that is a good point. As insane as it sounds that they would win such a thing. Um, it, it would, if they were to win such a thing in theory, it would help the price of BSV. But in, in terms of, well, we, we also have to think how long would it be before there's a court case and how much damage would be done to the value of BSV before, before that moment. Uh, how much would they be able to recover? Uh, but these, th that is very interesting. I haven't heard anybody uh, bring that up. But I, I don't even know if this is going to become a court case. And I, again, I, I see this as the main reason they were doing this was frivolous uh, well, ego and uh, just frivolous lawsuit marketing just to get the name out there. And they think all, all publicity is good publicity. And 
I don't know. Um, Juan, any any other thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, so there's this uh, there's this guy called Peter McCormack, and yes. he actually got one of these letters. He's uh, he's the host of a podcast called What Bitcoin Did, and he says he's going to challenge it all the way. He got the letter from this sort of uh, legal firm called Ska Ontier, and the, the the signature. People are mocking the signature because it looks like it was made by by a six year old signature of this letter. Um, I'll post all the all the tweets below the your, your announcement for the show, and uh, yeah, so he says he's going to challenge it. He seems pretty confident he can he can deal with it. But you know, we'll see. I mean, I think it's it's wise to not to not uh, overestimate uh, your enemy. And let's face it, this is this is an enemy we can all rally against. We can all come together. You know, like like the community, like the Bitcoin community, we've been for years. You know, after this fork and everything, this this is this is fun. This is going to be this is going to be really interesting. Um, there's a uh, yeah. It's not only bringing the Bitcoin community together. I mean, there's other altcoins and B cashers. Oh yeah, everyone's, everyone's piling into this thing. Oh yeah, the, the, the patents that they have could, in theory, uh, affect everybody in the crypto space, right? Because this guy's this guy can can pretend to be Satoshi successfully in front of some court or another. I mean, who knows what the ramifications? This is a full out legal attack. These guys are well funded. They have a plan. They do have a big stash of patents. So. I mean, it's it's not. This is not. A, I don't think it's, it's, it could be credible. Granted, they, they, you know, Craig Wright has been very, um, you know, barked very loudly and failed to deliver before, right? Like the whole Bcash versus SV drama, the fork. Like there was a lot of stuff being said back then, and to my knowledge, not a whole lot went through. Uh, you know, and so, so I'm still waiting for like the shogun of Satoshi and uh, Satoshi shogun or whatever. Like he, they, they talk a lot, and that this is. Some people, some, one of the guy apparently is a lawyer on Twitter was saying that this appears to be an intimidation tactic, that this is not the proper um, the proper process with which you sue somebody for defamation. So it's 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 interesting to see. Um, it's also a tweet here by Adam Back says, um, in response to Craig, uh, Craig Air saying, uh, Craig and I polishing our muskets at today's troll hunting meeting in London. <laughs> and Adam Back says, that do, does that mean suppressed comments from large ecosystem in observing the fellow standing next to you has published fake proofs with falsified digital signatures, exis, existential forgeries, and is subject to at least two court cases for alleged document forgery and tax fraud? Hashtag strice and effect. Um, <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. This is uh, uh, it, it's it's ludicrous. It's theater of the absurd. But hey, we're we're dealing with it. And it's uh, it's hilarious on one level. Remember, it's delist BSV is the hashtag if people want to use it. And there's some crazy things listed under it. Um, I, I do want to say, you know, Juan, you talked about Peter McCormick. He's been on the show before, and I linked to a already linked to below. I'll link to that also. Hopefully, um, I linked to this by Whale Panda. Says this is from the letter Peter McCormick received, um, and it, it shows the letter, but it, it's crazy. One thing I will note, though, that it's way more difficult to get these things dismissed in the UK rather than US, which is obvious, obviously the reason why they're doing it there. So I said that at the beginning, too. Um, it's, it's hard to get this kind of frivolous stuff dismissed in the uh, UK as compared to the US. So Peter McCormick's in the UK, and I guess uh, Not is maybe in the uk so that's 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 why uh, we'll probably see some more targeting of of people in the uk but have a strong hand people 
Pound that like button. Problem not supposed to be in Norway. Oh yeah, and that. But then someone said, I, I think it's being done through the uh, UK. But but it's probably these European laws. It's it's harder. It's easier to get dismissed in the United States. They're not going to try this in the United States, I would assume. But um, perhaps uh, I'm wrong. If I'm uh, maybe I'm trusting Whale Panda a little bit too much on that one. All right. Um, let me see. I mean, I, I could read off the tweets. Uh, that that were I referred to by, by the Binance guy. Um, I could. I mean, there's still people that I guess some people love like these tough guy leaders that make all sorts of threats. I know what I was going to say. Juan Galt referred to you know they've talked a big game before, and they haven't come through. They were going to destroy Bcash. Destroy Bcash. Bcash is destroying BSV. I mean, in terms of uh, value. I mean, so. Again, this all might be a big show. I mean, I wouldn't want to be a person being sued in the UK. I, I don't enjoy when I'm sued, obviously, but I, I don't know if they have as much to fear as uh, maybe it, it appears right now. It, it just might be one big intimidation con uh, technique. Because again, what happened to Satoshi's shotgun, it, it, which is what Juan just said. There was supposed to be something. Satoshi's shotgun was going to destroy Bcash. Yeah, okay. And uh, the, the Bitcoin was going to get destroyed too. Sure. All right. Uh, Benny, I'll leave it with you. Any any thoughts before we move on from this ridiculous subject? Um, yeah. I mean, again, it's just a perfect example of, of, you know, Bitcoin was kind of grounded in this anti-establishment movement. And this is just an example of how Craig Wright does not exude that at all. He's attacking the anti-establishment with the establishment. And he's he's just the embodiment of the antithesis of Bitcoin. And so, you know, I I hope to see this crash and burn. I hope it's as much of a nothing burger as Satoshi's shotgun and all these threats against Bcash. Um, and uh, also I really liked the response, the the response in regards to in Canada, there's uh there's an event coming up on May 30th in Toronto and it's hosted by CoinGeek which is owned by Calvin Air and it's all the BSV guys are going to be there well in response to this a guy named Jonathan Bertram he's now planning to put on a conference in Montreal on the same day and he's calling it the HODL not conference and it's going to be all Bitcoin no blockchain not Bitcoin stuff all good information he also put in the tagline no underagers so <laughs> we'll just we'll just leave it at yeah, that. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. That's yeah. about Calvin. That one's about yeah. Calvin. Yeah. Interesting. But hey, I love what you just said. These frivolous lawsuits, that's all about the establishment. That is what the establishment does to sue to, to, to shut down uh opposition. And that's not what this space is about. And he's getting the he is getting the uh blowback now. He's going about the, all this lawsuit talk. I can't even <laughs> It just it just seems so against why why I'm into this thing. I mean, this is it, it's so establishment. So great BTC Benny for pointing that out. And I am glad that some, you know, CoinGeek is a publication and they they put on events too. It's the Pravda of BSV. And I'm glad that someone in Montreal is gonna have an ant is is gonna have a real event to to compete with them. Let's let's see which one uh br brings the people. I mean, this is the free market. He's going to have to deal with – I mean, he's supposed to be a big boy. This is where the big boys play, okay? he it, it, It's clear he can't play with the big boys. He's got to start threatening lawsuits. I mean that – I my, my slogans are more than slogans, people. I say it's it's where the big boys play. It, it really means something. And you can see when someone comes into this space who can't handle it, they start doing the establishment way, 
the way where uh, they're favored parties by the government and for for the the rich and powerful, they're doing the lawsuit techniques, and that that doesn't fly here. And that's why I'm I'm glad to be in this uh, Bitcoin overlay. All right, I want to say thank you to Truce in the super chat. He's in the house. He sent a dollar ninety nine. He said, "Whoa, comedian Truce in the building." Truce has got a channel actually. He's in motion. It's a it's a, a crypto comedy channel. It's rated R basically, so be careful. Don't be a kid going over there. But it's funny if you like that type of comedy. Uh, nice to see you here, Truce. All right, moving on. And he's linked to him like two shows ago of mine. Watch, check out the archives below, disruptmeister.com. And oh, a guy named Boogers, Boogers guy, called SV Sutoshi's Vision. I like that. I, I, I'm going to use that one also. Okay, Julian Assange in the house. No, he's not here. He's in jail. But um, Juan, let's. Uh, you you had some things to say about that. We were talking about that over DM, and uh, there are connections between Julian Assange. WikiLeaks obviously was a early use case of Bitcoin, showing that um, it Bitcoin is uncensorable. Uh, the, you could not fund WikiLeaks the traditional ways, so they resorted to Bitcoin. And it's quite possible that Julian Assange uh, is like a Bitcoin millionaire because of that. And we might find that out soon. Also, uh, Bitcoin donations spike following Julian Assange's arrest. Bitcoin donations to uh, WikiLeaks. So uh, Juan, what's what, what do you have to say about this? Well, there, for those that don't know the history, um, back you know a few years ago, maybe five, six years ago, I don't even, I'm not, not even sure exactly how long ago it was, but before Satoshi left, um, there's this guy called Amir and he's still around. He was one of the sort of like activist developers back then. And he started suggesting that trying to get WikiLeaks to accept Bitcoin because WikiLeaks was being uh, boycotted by Visa, Mastercard, PayPal, all the traditional fiat payment processors were like blocking WikiLeaks. So this, was, this was around one of the big kind of uh, reveals, uh, you know, publications that they made, you know, um, I'm not exactly sure which one I should know this, but um, anyway, Amir succeeded in convincing WikiLeaks to accept Bitcoin. They started accepting Bitcoin. And that's around the time that Satoshi said, well, this is, you, you've poked the, the hornet's nest, you know, and that's, that's one of the last things he said. So this was basically like the, like the, the rite of passage of Bitcoin is the point where, where it went from being a private low scale sort of, you know, uh, cryptocurrency that nobody really knew about until like, okay, this is a big deal. It works and it's holding ground and it's, and it's entered the political realm. And that's when Satoshi left. So. To, to me, it's a very important moment in, in Bitcoin's history. And WikiLeaks, uh, Sanchez tweeted multiple times about Bitcoin. Again, he he tweeted against uh, sort of denouncing Craig Wright as, you know, fake Satoshi. And uh, But he's also, um, you know, he's made some really good, really sort of optimistic, like positive supportive tweets towards Bitcoin. Um, and the, by some estimates that I read, I mean, he, he could have some somewhere in the in $20 million worth of Bitcoin, him or his organization. So he's a whale. Like, they're... they're They've got some Bitcoin, and um, well, it's going to be really interesting to see how how this Assange uh, indictment plays out. I believe he's fighting um, in the UK right now, or in, in London, I think, to um, to not get extradited to the United States. So it's going to be a, a big story for the coming months, probably. Well, he's if he gets extra extradited to the United States, he's got a court case here. He's going to have to find a way to pay for it. So. That's why we might it might be revealed uh, how much Bitcoin he has. He might have to use up some of his stash. And uh, again, I'm 
you can have whatever opinion you want to of the guy, and uh, no one can stop you from uh, donating to him because he accepts uh, he accepts Bitcoin. It is a living example of uh, uncensorable, right? I mean, if, if you want a definition of uncensorable, there, there you go. You can you can support this dude who is uh, clearly not uh, liked by the United States and uh, and uh, Britain and is is now in their uh, custody. Uh, Benny, you have any thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to allude, uh, actually read out a couple of the quotes that uh, Juan was referring to. Every, anybody that's uh, a newbie the past couple of years, you can get a quick history in here. So the quote from Satoshi uh, at the time when uh, all the WikiLeaks stuff was going on, he said, it would have been nice to get this attention in any other context. WikiLeaks has kicked the hornet's nest and the swarm is headed towards us. So that was the famous tweet where he basically you know, ghosted into the background. Um, and it was a dramatic time. But I mean, again, WikiLeaks was, uh, it, I would say one of the first real use cases, or or not first real use cases, but one of the first real proofs of Bitcoin's value proposition of this censorship resistance, where you have an entity that cannot get funds more or less any other way, but they were able to get Bitcoin. And I think it was just a, a, a good point in history to refer back to, to say, that's why we have Bitcoin. And you, you even have a tweet, uh, Chris, Chris uh, Karabatz in the, in the uh, chat here was mentioning this. So I'll read off the tweet he was referring to. Julian Assange tweeted out, my deepest thanks to the US government, Senator McCain and Senator Lieberman for pushing Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, Amex, Moneybookers, uh, and others into erecting an illegal banking blockade against WikiLeaks starting in 2010. It caused us to invest in Bitcoin with a 50,000% return. <laughs> so again, like, and this was, I'm not sure when he tweeted this, it was a little while back, like during the bull run in 2017. But I mean, it, it just, you're combining sound money with censorship resistance with all of the other great things that Bitcoin can do. And, and you, all you need to do is look back over the past few years to see some of the great things that it has achieved. So um, it's really unfortunate to see Julian Assange, uh, you know, pulled out of the Ecuadorian embassy. Um, it seems, it seems a lot of people that I, I respect and, and really like tend to get arrested like Julian Assange and Snowden's on the run and, and uh, uh, I can't remember half of them, but anyways, yeah. So I, I, I tend to um, respect a lot of people that that uh, authoritarian governments do not. So yeah, I, I've, got, I've got a question for you. you. You read off that quote by Satoshi. That doesn't sound like a quote from a guy who like goes about frivolous lawsuits. It just, it doesn't seem. <laughs> it does not. It definitely does not. It doesn't sound like. You know, it doesn't sound like that person would eventually start suing people in England. And it's, I, I, it's, it's almost like they're not the same person. Yes. Yeah. It's it's very, very interesting. It seems kind of obvious. All right. Uh, Bitcoin Tina, do you have any thoughts on uh, Julian Assange at all? Well, that, that, that leads into my thought. Could you uh, give us that quote from Satoshi one more time, please, yes. Benny? Yeah, absolutely. It is. It would have been nice to get this attention in any other context. WikiLeaks has kicked the hornet's nest and the swarm is headed towards us. When I was a kid, I used to like Sherlock Holmes. And I remember the story of the Hound of the Baskervilles. The way Sherlock solved the case was the dog didn't bark. 
Has anybody noticed that this dog didn't bark regarding Julian Assange? There's noticeable silence from fake Toshi with regard to WikiLeaks. And isn't that ironic? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's so obvious. My God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's a good way of tying. The first two subjects have clearly been uh, tied together in, in, the, in the last few moments here. All right, so uh, enough of, uh, of Julian Assange. Um, we, we will see how that develops. And it's, uh, I, I just take it as an advertisement for uh, the un uncensorable ability, whatever the word is, of, of Bitcoin. So uh, there's, they're going to be other, they're not going to be other Julian Assange's, but there'll, there'll be events like this that 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 are a counterculture type of things where you're like, well, is this guy a bad guy or a good guy? But it's gonna, it's gonna promote, you know, one one line of thinking is saying. Uh, is a bad guy. The the alternative saying he's a good guy. But whatever it is, it's gonna it's gonna promote Bitcoin. It's gonna it, there'll be mainstream sources saying no, we're we're not gonna let you fund this. And so this is just just the tip of the iceberg in, in terms of examples of uh, uncensorability. All right. So let's talk about uh, what else do we have here on my uh, my my subject lists. Uh, oh yeah, the uh, the the twenty two hundred ten thousand. Uh, theory that I, uh, that I've been talking about, uh, that every, uh, that it's, uh, it, this was tweeted out there and I linked to the article below. And if you've been watching the show, you, you've probably heard about this, that, uh, over time there's, there's never been a time where you, you take the fiat value of Bitcoin and then 210,000 blocks later, it's less, it's, it's always more uh, 210,000 blocks later in terms of, of fiat. And I just, you know, 210,000 blocks, that's how many, uh, blocks there are in, uh, in a, in a period in a, between halvings. So I, I've always been fascinated with the halving and I, I'm waiting. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see in the year 2021, 210,000 blocks after we had an all time high in 2017 if we have enough, if it's higher, I mean, the 210,000 block theory will be even stronger then. So, uh, Bitcoin Tina, do you have any thoughts on the, this 210,000 uh, block theory? You there, Tina? It's, uh, I'm here. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's that much of a theory. Um, the halvings are all about constraining supply. And if you have, a fixed amount of demand and less supply, the price is going to go up. It's pretty simple economics, but you have to talk about what the level of demand is. You can't just look at, you, know, you can't just look at one side of the supply demand equation. All right, Benny, you like you 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 had some comments about this uh, over Twitter, I, or, or um, when I sent it to you in the DM. Yeah, yeah, no, I I mean I completely ascribe to this idea. I mean uh, the. Bitcoin is meant to have a, a supply that diminishes over time, or rather the supply of new coins onto the market diminishes over time. Uh, and at some point in the year 2140, uh, then there will be no more Bitcoin created. And then at that point, it becomes inherently deflationary just because of lost Bitcoin, people losing their keys and, and coins being burned and lost forever. So, um, yeah, I mean, I to me, I think it 
makes total sense. So, so if even if you just have the, the same amount of demand and usage that we have today, and that remains constant and no new people join in, well, the market is used to absorbing a set amount of new coins every 10 minutes, which is 12 and a half right now. Well, when that gets cut in half, nothing happens initially, right? Like all of the coins that still exist are still currently on the market. The ones that would have been for sale are still for sale. The only thing that happens is that every 10 minutes, there's, there's six and a quarter less Bitcoin than the market was used to absorbing. And, and so initially, not very much, but over the course of six months, a year, that pinch starts to be felt and people start to go, oh man, it's a, it's a little bit tougher to get my hands on as much Bitcoin as I used to. And I think that gradually drives up the price. But I think what happens then is people start to see, oh, the price is going up. Maybe I should buy in. And it starts to snowball and we get manias like we saw in 2013, like we saw in 2017, which were both about a year after the halving. That's kind of when it started snowballing. So I, uh, for me, I would not be surprised at all if not much happened around the actual having next year in 2020, maybe a little FOMO spike beforehand preemptively, but I, I, I would be not, not at all surprised to see 2021, you know, early 2021, we start to see we're back around that 20 K level and people are getting excited and then it starts getting crazy. And the 210,000 blocks after the last, uh, all time high, we are at some ridiculous number that nobody could have ever possibly quoted uh, a few years prior. So uh, yeah, I 210,000 blocks. Again, it, as Bitcoin Tino was kind of laughing and scoffing at, it's, it's not so much a theory, it's baked into Bitcoin. It's what Bitcoin is. And I think that FOMO is kind of purposely built in there because these, these manias do drive adoption. Sure, people dive in at the peaks and, and drop back out and get discouraged. But the people that stick around, they read and they learn and they ask questions about money. And why is this money all over the place? Why is this money stable, but in a downward trajectory? They start to ask about money and start to learn about it. And so, yeah, I, I think it's it, it was built in probably on purpose, though I can't definitely attest to that because I'm not Satoshi and neither is Craig Wright. Oh, pound that like button. Well, what, one of the reasons I'm so fascinated with this theory is that all the fiat freaks out there, they are just conditioned to worry about how much is going to be worth tomorrow? How much is going to be worth in a week? How much is going to be worth in a month? They're very short term. And to me, this put it all in perspective. Just think, is it going to be worth more in 210,000 blocks? Is it go get value your time? in halvings Val value your time in 210,000 block intervals okay that's what you got to be when you're if you're a fiat freak you're worried about what, what your investment's going to be worth you you just think don't worry about tomorrow don't worry about next year work think about in four in 210,000 blocks will this thing be worth more in terms of fiat and so far it it, it has all right Juan Galt your thoughts yeah, I mean, I, I did a little bit of math, and I'm no mathematician, but it seems like 210,000 uh, blocks is about four years. Yes. Um, so that's a long time. I mean, it seems like the the, the cycle, the, the boom-bust cycle of Bitcoin, so to speak, is somewhere around four years. Uh, 
it does seem to get a little bit longer over time and it was shorter before but four years is a pretty good spot so um if you hold bitcoin for four years you're probably gonna you're probably gonna make some money um other than that um the only thing i'd point out is just the symmetry of bitcoin it's a really beautiful thing like there's also 21 million coins and um i believe there's something like 21 billion satoshis uh or or 21 trillion quadrillion, <laughs> quadrillion or something like that but it is it is around 21 so this number shows up a lot in bitcoin and um well that's really that's really interesting like it's just beautiful it's a beautiful thing it's beautiful hey man that's the way he that's the way that the real satoshi uh set it up all right that was uh i like what b what btc benny had to say there moving on let's uh what else was in the news that we were supposed to talk about this week? Uh, oh, yeah, Weingott, real quick, you wanted to mention uh, the PewDiePie moving to uh, getting getting off. Of, well, he's still on YouTube, right? But uh, he's, he's interested in crypto now. That's right. So this is the first time that, that uh, PewDiePie, who's uh, you know the biggest YouTuber right now as far as subscriber count, uh, this is the first time that he's actually like acknowledged crypto in a, or at least sort of participated in some kind of crypto thing. He sort of mentioned it before. I think he sort of, you know, he he had some fun with the BitConnect memes, um, <laughs> which, you know, it's it's pretty. It's, there's some pretty great memes out of that. And uh, but this is the first time that he actually kind of plays with some sort of cryptocurrency type of thing. So this thing is called DLive. Uh, it's pretty centralized. I haven't really found the token on Coin Market Cap. Not really sure where it trades, if it trades at all. Apparently, it's an old fork of Steemit. So uh, I think uh, this center, which is this sort of uh, uh, free speech platform, had a really good tweet about it. Uh, they say, uh, lol at everyone getting excited about PewDiePie joining DLive. They already banned Alex Jones, mod, hashtag mod blockchain, right? So making fun of, supposed to be decentralized, and they already banned Alex Jones. What kind of, what is this? Uh, they have uh, subjective hate speech policies like YouTube. And DLive's backers are Shenfund, FBG Capital, Defund, and IM Blockchain, all Chinese venture capitalists, right? So this is a very centralized live streaming effort, but it nonetheless, like, it shows that there's, so I mean, it, this is very centralized, but it, it does show that there's uh, there's an interest in 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 moving to, to sort of more community, um, accountable uh, platforms, right? So that's, that's one of the things that DLive sort of marks itself as, as blockchain, something for the community, for the creators. So it, it's really interesting. There, there's a lot of attention going to DLive right now. And, uh, you know, we'll see we'll see how that plays out. I mean, the platform looks, you know, the, the interface is great, but it's certainly not a censorship resistant type of thing. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I, I, think, I think the bigger story is, you know, there are going to be people kicked off of YouTube. The YouTube alternatives that are, say they're based around blockchain are growing and are getting attention. I think that that was my major, my major takeaway from all this. I'm not going to put the guy on a pedestal or anything. And I definitely D live has got made, got a lot of issues, got, got, got a lot of issues, but he's, he's going in the right direction. This is the direction of the world is, 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 uh, going away from these platforms where you can be totally turned off, uh, randomly, uh, so I'm, I'm glad he, he speaks to a lot of people. I, I don't necessarily agree with the dude or anything like that. I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever watched the guy actually, but he's got a huge audience. So if some people find out about crypto and thus Bitcoin because of this, then, Hey, 
that that is a, a very good thing. Uh, BTC Benny, you wanted to talk about, you brought one thing up to me, uh, the, the IMF poll, and I actually mentioned it yesterday, but what it, what it's, the, the IMF had a poll, and it's unscientific, but uh, uh, ongoing poll by the IMF shows that more people believe that cryptocurrency will be the most popular payment means for lunch by 2024. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it was a funny thing that the, the I, I wonder what the IMF expected in tweeting that out, knowing that like Bitcoin Twitter and crypto Twitter exist. Like who did they think was going to get a hold of that poll? Like did, did they expect to get like a, a, a good even sampling of the population or did they expect exactly what happened to happen where somebody on Bitcoin Twitter gets a hold of it and is like, well, of course I'm going to retweet this to my 10,000 followers and we're going to skew this. Um, you know, I don't think the the poll itself is reflective of the general population, but I do think it will head that way over time. I think, um, you know, anybody that's uh, on the younger side is, you know, it's, it's, Cryptocurrency is not a big deal, right? Like if you think Bitcoin's been around since 2009, that's a decade now. And so, you know, anybody who's who's 20, you know, it's been around since they were 10 years old. Anybody say who's 16 now and can get, they just are now able to get a bank account. It's been around since they're six years old. My, my daughter is one and a half and she will always have lived in a world where Bitcoin exists. And so I think it's, it's very much a, a generational thing where people, you know, I, I find that um, when I was working over the counter um, OTC selling Bitcoin, uh, I, I found that people that were coming in that were kind of like 40, 50, 60 in that range tended to be the gold bugs that, that had had taken the time to understand the value proposition that, oh, this is like a digital version of the sound money that I'm already interested in. Um, so those are the ones I saw there. And then there's kind of people in, in my age range that, that are a little bit more towards the techie side that are interested in stuff like this, or, or kind of maybe leaning libertarian um, that are interested in it just because it, it falls perfectly into their, their realm. And then there's the younger generation where, you don't even need to have interest in it. It's just always going to be in front of you and it will just be a matter of fact. Um, and so I think that this poll, while definitely heavily skewed because of Twitter, I think move forward 10, 15 years and that poll will probably be looking uh, almost shy when it comes to the crypto Hey, I got the same thing behind you. Yeah, I know. We got, that's what I'm saying. We got the same things. I mean, we, we've been given the same, we've got the same t-shirts probably too. Okay, continue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a generational thing. And in 10 years, it, it, it'll be dumb to even post a poll like that because people will be like, well, of course, like, why, why would you ask that? It, it's like, who, who's going to be using debit cards in 10 years? Why what, would you ask that? What were they thinking by posting that? I, 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 it's a great point that you bring up. Bitcoin Tina, your, your thoughts on the IMF <laughs> or, or anything that we were, we were just discussing there. Uh, the IMF poll was, was, was silly. I, I agree with Benny. It seems like when it comes to new and different things, it goes from nobody caring everybody talking about it to nobody caring. How many people are talking about electricity? 
Good point. So it's, it's, it's going to evolve to everybody using it and nobody talking about it. Um, I, I came from gold. I think gold, to me, I, I have, I'm very negative on gold. I think Bitcoin is magnitudes better than gold. I see no reason to own gold in a world where there is Bitcoin. I think people who own gold today don't understand <clears throat> that Bitcoin is better. I think today, in my opinion, Bitcoin is already worth what gold is worth. It's already worth the Peter, Peter Schiff's ears are burning right now. Oh, oh, I, Peter, Peter, I don't care what Peter Schiff thinks. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's obvious. It's better, it's better in every respect. And there are some guys who like to say, well, what if the electricity goes out or what if the internet is turned off? In which case, I suggest that you get your hands on some guns and some ammunition because gold actually won't help you very much if the electricity goes out for some extended period of time like that or the internet goes out. It's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I mean, you, you are a golden holder. You were a golden holder and now you've you've evolved. Do you think a lot of those guys just will never change? <laughs> Or how many will change, actually? That's a really great question. I, I don't know. Um, I think that understanding money is very, very difficult. And I think that most people don't really understand money. Uh, I made a statement that somebody doesn't agree with, that really the fiat that we use is really credit. And it sort of is, because that's how money is created. Money is created through fractional reserve banking, which essentially money is created through credit mechanisms. Um, and then on top of that, we have shadow banking mechanisms that create more buying power. We have buying power in the system, but it comes from credit. And money as a good is a very different thing because by its nature, it doesn't have counterparty risk. Um, I don't think most people really think about this, but the only quote unquote money that they think they have is actually only in their pockets. The only the only money you think you have is is the cash that you have on you or maybe in, you know, maybe in a, your sock drawer. But everything else is in the bank and that's really not yours. And it's really not money. And, and the whole the whole discussion of money supply, these are all. These are all very strange, esoteric kinds of discussions. To me, I think that it's very, very difficult to understand the essence of money as a good. And I think people will in time come to, come to better understand this. And I think that there are tremendous flaws in what we have today. Um, it's hard for people. It's very hard for people to... I would I would say that the gold and holders though they might have a better concept of money than the average person but I think what some of their weaknesses come from the quotes that you just said they have a fear of technology or just a a bunker mentality <laughs> in life um you know that what happens if the internet goes down that 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 seems to be the main excuse or a huge excuse for from some precious metals people um, that, that, that's exactly right, Adam. I think that um, I like to say one of the reasons I love Bitcoin and I say this <clears throat> and I say a lot of the same things over and over again because I think they're important to be heard. Bitcoin does not need catastrophe to become the one and only money in the world. And I believe that Bitcoin 
will be the one and only money in 15 to 30 years, could be less. And I think it's going to destroy nearly all competitors. There'll be just maybe drabs of it left. And it'll be at values that people can't possibly imagine. I think this happens much, much faster than most people think. And I think that, um, I think that's right. I think that yeah, I don't. I don't think the IMF will have a poll about that. Like in thirty years, uh, what do you think? Do you think crypto will be the main source of money, or will we still have dollars? Bitcoin, Adam, not crypto. Excuse me. You're, you're absolutely. Thank you for that correction right there. And oh God, I'm I'm falling into the uh, into into the trap. Um, well, now that we're all to such a broad topic here, I, I I know Juan and Benny both had thought thoughts on this. Uh, so Juan, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't really know what what money is. Uh, that's that's for sure. I don't I don't know that I can add anything else to what uh, Bitcoin Tina just said, but um, I'm 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 looking forward to finding out. I think this is this is definitely something new, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great, right? All right, Benny. Uh, I just again I want to say I really enjoyed the way. Bitcoin Tina broke that down. The the levels as it devolves and you realize how worthless the money you have really is. Like you only have what's in your pocket and then the rest is in the bank. But the stuff in the bank is not really yours. Also, the stuff in the bank is not really there because it's fractional reserve. Also, the stuff that is in the bank was printed by the Federal Reserve and they just print whatever the hell they want and that can get debased at any time. And not only that, but the, the that money itself is created out of debt. So you just you follow these layers down and it's it's that rabbit hole you fall into when you first get into Bitcoin and you say, well, why is this valuable? And then you have to ask yourself, well, why is this valuable? And you find out that this being dollars is not valuable, really intrinsically, <laughs> like nothing is intrinsically value, valuable. So you 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 go down this rabbit hole of, of being so confused about money and you have all these epiphanies. And, and yeah, I, I just love that progression because that few seconds there, that progression that Bitcoin Tina just went through is, is I, f I feel is the, the journey that a Bitcoiner goes on as they ask those fundamental questions about money. Wow, that was just a, a Canadian man talking about the Federal Reserve. I, I It just makes you wonder if it's like a higher percentage of Canadians understand the Federal Reserve than like Americans. It's very interesting. Um, okay, let's let's get to that conclusion. And what does that mean? <laughs> if, if more Canadians understand it percentage-wise than Americans. Uh, Bitcoin Tina, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, you might have some reply to say to Benny, but conclusionary remarks. Anything that was left out? Anything more... Uh, big esoteric uh, financial concepts you want to talk about anything the floor is yours uh no i like what benny said i i, I think uh, i think i think we agree awesome uh oh no sorry and any anything to add here at the end of the show yes yes, yes, yes. please what i was going to add is that one of the things that i find as as little pet peeve and pet annoyance that you hear on on many of these youtubes there always seems to be this desperate need to explain moves of Bitcoin or any other trading security. And I've traded stocks for a really, really long time. And one of the things is that, yes, stocks can move on news and, and, and same with Bitcoin can move on news and sometimes it moves without news. And there's always this desperate need of journalist types to want to explain movements. But 
the nature of movements of securities that are priced in a price discovery way is sometimes we don't know what those moves are and you have people who want to ascribe explanations for why things moved and there are a couple of guys talking about oh well we went down four hundred dollars because it's the julian assange thing we saw money move from the wallets and move the exchanges and we we know what's there and you really don't know what's there and people love to make these excuses the market went up a lot in relatively short order it peaked it sold off how much more of a correction you get off of this move is is unknowable um I think there's a lot of evidence building that we that the bear market is over. Uh, there's a good chance that we're in a bull market. I think over some level, about 6,800-ish in my book, you're clearly in a bull market. Um, and how long it takes for us to get there, I don't know. I think it'll take less time than, than most people think. But this nonsensical need to explain moves is moronic. Yes. And if you're yes. watching Adam's show, stop listening to this drivel coming out of people because they're what they're saying is is, is just stupid. Um, markets move for a lot of reasons, and a lot of it moves simply because people buy and sell. There, there are all kinds of you know, there's supply and demand curves out there for what people's preferences are to hold. I got to use the term security because it, it, it's true for all things that trade. And this is not just price dependent. To me, I, I look at Bitcoin in a very, very simple way. There are guys out there who are breaking their necks, trying to figure out things that they consider to be valuation. And I, I don't actually consider some of these things valuation tools. They might be some form of technical analysis, and I don't really want to name the names, but they're guys who are pretty famous out there uh, in, in the Bitcoin space. And to my way of looking at the world, these are not valuation tools. Value for me, the way I see Bitcoin, value is found in what its use cases are. It is not found intrinsically within Bitcoin itself. And for me, Bitcoin is already worth $400,000. I will say that from my perspective, in my opinion, not financial advice, that Bitcoin will $400,000, $8 trillion divided by 21 million, 21, yeah, 21 million, is a foregone conclusion that it's worth $400,000. As we, and I actually think it's better than gold. So it's multiples of that because it's, it's portable. It's 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 very securable. Some people have a problem with the term unconfiscatable, and I guess that anytime you make something as a a statement that <laughs> that that is something is a hundred percent of anything. I mean, there are people who like to nitpick and quibble, but you can't say, "Well, it's partially unconfiscatable." It just sounds stupid. Um, it's more unconfiscatable than most other things that we've ever created. And sure, somebody could beat you over the head for it and kill you for your Bitcoin uh, or threaten to do this to friends and family and, and such. But if you were to be willing to sacrifice yourself, they still don't get your Bitcoin. So to that extent, it's, it is unconfiscatable. But it's already worth $400,000 and if it's going to get there. I think it gets there a lot faster than most people think it gets there because um, I think it's actually well worth 
worth much more than that. And I think we're going to see tremendous development in things like lightning and other scaling layers that may not have even been thought of yet, or if they're thought of, I haven't been told what they are. Um, we've seen this happen over and over again with the internet. We see this happen with technology over and over again. And there's a strong tendency to want to underestimate people's creative abilities and the people who are working on lightning, the people who are working on the base protocol are very creative geniuses. And these people are working on a giant engineering project where <clears throat> they're determined to find answers. And it's amazing to watch their creativity. And so it's always a mistake to underestimate the ability of humans to find solutions to giant engineering projects. We've seen this over and over and over again. And there's a tremendous, I, I love to say that people have a hard time imagining a world that's different from the one they know. And I think we're watching, I, I believe we're in an emerging economic paradigm. And we don't just see it in Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin <clears throat> will be core to the financial system that gets created for this paradigm. But I think it's broader than that. I think it relates to, I think in time, we won't have patents. I think the world will be an open source, non-patent world. I don't know how many years that takes, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. <clears throat> but people will ultimately come to the conclusion that patents actually obstruct advancement and are seen as negative to the businesses that they run. And they can't imagine that world today, but I think we'll get to the point where that is the world that we live in. I think that Bitcoin will drive innovation, energy innovation. I think we're seeing all sorts of things. We're going to have self-driving cars which is good because I'm old and this way I can I can still get around when I'm old. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to drive myself when they want to take my license from me. But there are all sorts of things that are happening. People underestimate it. Years ago, there was a movie called Future Shock. It was made in 1972. And if you watch Future Shock, it's, it's narrated by, uh, oh, what's his name? The guy from, uh, oh, I can't remember the name. He was famous at the time. <laughs> um, I'll look it up. God, okay. doesn't matter. But if you look back on, on, on the things they thought were shock, you're going to laugh. <sighs> things advance, and, and people don't even notice how quickly things advance. In my life, in, in the last 30 or 40 years, things have come very, very far. You can't imagine what computers and phones, there were no cell phones. 40 years ago, if they were, only very, very rich people use them. <clears throat> so it, it, these things change, and they change much faster than people realize. And I think we're in a world where that speed of change is going to accelerate dramatically. Anyway, I've, I've talked too long. Orson Welles was the narrator. Thank you. That's, that's what I was looking for. There you, there you go. Um, I love what you said. I, I, love, I love the whole thing you said. But, and that's why he's on this show. That's why the people demand Bitcoin, Tina. Pound that like button. But... You, what you were saying about the people, you know, worry, the reasons, they need a reason for every little move. And it's it's insane to me also. it's insane. It happens. You don't need an explanation why it move, why the price is $50 difference between today and tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Seriously, people. Um, and the thing is, people come up with fairy tales explaining it. And the 80 percenters love fairy tales. So they tune in to where they're going to hear some fairy tales. You're not going to get fairy tales here about why it went up 50 or why, you know, there, you, you can't explain every single movement. It's, it's a wild roller coaster and it'd be a complete waste of time of, of my time and your time. So don't, don't worry about it. Think about the long-term trends. Think about 
you know, the usability, what, what are its use cases? Think about WikiLeaks. That was a real use case right there. All right. Juan Galt, your conclusionary thoughts. I got nothing. This is great. Great conversation. Really enjoy the show. Um, the only thing that, that, that I, that I wanted to say was, I guess, uh, yeah, Bitcoin, like money's a very deep thing. Like money's like, if you look at a humanity in layers, it, it would be something like language and then not too far above would be money. And then we build a bunch of other stuff on top, you know? So it's, it's really easy to get caught up in the, in the small details of the small, you know, painful things or, 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 or things that are like, Oh, Assange is getting, going, getting, going to prison and everything's going to go to shit. You know, it's really easy to get kind of caught up in, in the details. But if, if something like Bitcoin becomes global, politically neutral money, a lot of things will reorganize on top. And hopefully I think, you know, we can all believe in a much, much better way because we won't have all these sort of factions fighting each other with fiat currency and funding their, you know, movements and, and, and you know, their, their, their militaries and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the kind of thing that, that that's why I like Bitcoin because it's very, very deep. Awesome. BTC Benny, you got the final word here. Yeah. Again, I, I got, I, Bitcoin Tina keeps on giving me all these great points where I'm like, ah, this reminds me of, and so what he's talking about with, with these, these quick moving technologies and how much can happen over the, over the span of a few decades, it reminds me very much of a guy named Ray Kurzweil and he's big into futurism and he talks about the singularity and how information technology is, uh, it, 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 grows at an exponential rate. And so I think Bitcoin is one of those instances. And I and people don't realize how quickly something can explode and accelerate at a ridiculous amount. And you can see that this is the first time that we've really seen that um, in something that has monetary value, at least in our generation anyways. And and it, it reminds me very much of uh, he uh, in his book, The Singularity, he talks about mapping the human genome and how it took forever to map just 1% of the genome and and uh, uh, or the D DNA or whatever it was, but it took forever and everybody's going, we can't pour money into this. It's ridiculous. It's taking so long. And the scientists working on it were like, oh, no, 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 we're almost done. Because it because of the exponential nature of it, once they hit 1%, then that, that doubling effect it took no time at all. It happened in such a short amount of time once they got up to that 1%. And I think we're going to see the same thing with Bitcoin where, where it looks like nothing's happening. And you can even look at this in the chart. You go back and you go back to like the early days where it's, you know, not it's fractions of a penny and it looks like nothing's happening. And then you see these explosions and it comes back down. And, and then you see further explosions of those old spikes look like absolutely nothing because we're on this this very hard to pinpoint exponential growth curve where it's wild as hell in between, but eventually this is going to look like nothing once it actually reaches its full potential. And I, I think that's going to be our journey through the next decade, two decades. I have, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how far along the journey we currently are, but I, I do feel that we're going to hit this inflection point where it seems like, Oh, it took a decade and, and barely anybody has used, 
you know, cryptocurrency on a global scale. And then all of a sudden, a decade later, everybody's using Bitcoin on a global scale. And so I think we're we're getting close to an inflection point and it could make for a very exciting decade. Oh, Benny, yeah. Benny, Benny, <clears throat> Ray Kurzweil and Peter DeMontis were how I came to this viewpoint. It's precisely from listening to both of them. And for the DNA uh, sequencing, it was uh, seven years. And seven years. Seven years. Once you got to 1%, it was seven years based on doubling. Um, <laughs> so that's exactly right. And that, that's how I came to see this. And as I see it, you've got two factors coming to play with Bitcoin. I view Bitcoin and its ecosystem, I broadly like to say, Bitcoin and its ecosystem are exponential technologies. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. So Blockstream developed a wallet, the green wallet. It's a new wallet. It's on your phone. We already have built out infrastructure. Billions of people have phones. You could have half the plan. I don't know how many phones there are outstanding. You could have whoever has a phone have that wallet on their phone in no time at all. And now they have easy access to Bitcoin. You have the Square, the, the Cash app. You've got the Samurai wallet. You've got a lot of these things. I think Zap is Zap a mobile wallet. You have all these things where people can download right to their phones. You already have the infrastructure in place. That's all been built out. And I think people underestimate how meaningful that is. And the difference is, I, I like to say it, I'll say it again. I got my first computer in 1982. It was an IBM PC. It was 64K of RAM. It was two floppy disk drives, 360K each. And I went through the 80s watching these improvements take place. And still, uh, I, I don't know when I brought my first modem, but I really didn't have any use for it. And I didn't know how to use the stuff that people were using at the time because I'm an early mainstream adopter, but I'm not that class of people that is in the real innovator class, <clears throat> people who really understand stuff much better than I do. So this, we were waiting for the hardware to be available for certain things to happen. And that hardware became available. And you, you once you had, you know, the, 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 for the modem, it was like a 24K and a 56K, and then you got ADSL, then you got broadband, and now people have fiber to the homes. Fiber of the home is insane. I had a T1 line that cost me a lot of money. People don't even know what T1 lines are. T1 lines were used for what they call POTS lines, plain old tele telephone service. And I think you got 20 phone lines out of, out of a POTS line. Uh, the numbers could be wrong. But they cost a fortune. I don't know how many, how many hundreds of dollars a month a, a T1 line was. But today you you can get in many places, not all places, you can get fiber to your home where you have uh, hundreds of megabyte download and upload. This is unthinkable. So we already have in place technology, 5G. People have a lot of comments about 5G, but at the end of the day, 5G is going to be incredibly fast. We have infrastructure available in most of the world where you could be using Bitcoin almost instantly. And this is going to come on very, very, very fast. And with a fixed supply, you know, once you have technology like lightning and lightning's lightning technology is developing very fast and people don't, most people don't watch it or pay attention. I pay attention as much as I can, as much as I can understand, which is really quite limited actually. And what I don't understand a lot of the stuff that they're talking about, but it's going to get easy to use. 
And once it's easy to use, people will be using it. I think you're going to see Lightning used for gaming because I think that gaming with money, I mean, we know people love to gamble. You're going to watch games get developed where it's going to change the nature of the games that they're playing because there's, I mean, why do people watch football? They watch football to bet on it. They don't just love, they watch football to drink and to bet. That's why they watch football. People people watch sports to, to, to drink and to gamble. That's the main reason they watch. Am I wrong? Yeah, basically, it's the, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to change a lot of things. And when you can now easily bring money into these things, and I don't know the other things that it's going to change, but there are going to be solutions which are native to Bitcoin, which are going to answer, which are going to solve problems and more than that, I had a professor a long time ago who said that invention is the motherhood of necessity, as opposed to necessity is the motherhood of invention. Once you have something available to you, you need it. I grew up without cell phones. Now, you have a one-and-a-half-year-old, Benny. How old do you think, boy or girl? Uh, it's a girl. Okay, well... How old do you think she's going to be when she demands a cell phone? Oh, she. Uh, I, mean, I mean, as soon as she knows pretty how young. to ask for a cell phone, oh, she will probably young. ask for pretty, a cell phone. Pretty young. I mean, I, I, I can't remember when my kid got a cell phone. It might have been like, she might have been like 10. Um, but it's going to get younger and younger. It, it, cell phones are seen, they're seen as necessities today. You're going to stick a cell phone in your daughter's hand because... It, it means that if you're not around, she can call you for help if she needs to. And they weren't around not that long ago. And there's so many things like this. Can you imagine living without some form of computer? Not now. <laughs> right. No, not now. Because it, I, and, and that's what Bitcoin is going to be like. And it's Bitcoin is bigger than electricity. Bam. That That is a good conclusionary statement right there. Bitcoin is bigger than electricity. All right, dudes. It has been a wild one, and it's been a wild week. What will the next week bring? Who knows? Tune in. I do a new show every single day here. And, yeah, we'll be back next Friday with This Week in Bitcoin, of course. Um, well, thank you, guests. Thank you, Bitcoin Tina. Thank you, Juan Gall. Thank you, BTC Benny. All of their links are below. Check all of these dudes out. They are awesome to follow on Twitter. Um, again, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And I'll see you Saturday night. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Subscribe to the channel. Bang that bell button. Pound that like button. Shabbat shalom. Have a great night, everyone. See you later. Bye-bye.